Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Weekly Freestyle. Um, this is actually our last episode in this season. Um, we're thinking of doing a montage episode just to wrap up the season and then we're kicking off uh, season 2 with a very, very big guest that will be announced shortly. Um, and we're aiming to get quite a few guests on um, for the seasons coming, aren't we? We are, yeah. We're hoping that the start to season 2... Shall I say his name? I don't so think it's his name. We need we need the confirmation. Then. Okay, we need get the drop. confirmation. There'll be a big yeah. confirmation, big drop on Instagram as well for oh, the announcement. Huge drop. But he is he is a world record holder. He is. A, that's all we're saying. He's a world, he's a record, world holder. record holder. Um, yeah, and I think something someone that we're just gonna like. He's so full of knowledge and you know really passionate about sport. And I think there's just gonna be so much. I don't think we're gonna be able to fit it all into half an hour. No, there's gonna be so much stuff we could want to talk. It's gonna about. take days. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we're talk, talking of days. We're a couple of days back now from. Uh, from Marbella, which was um, a good a good trip. It was mm. a nice week off to uh, reset. Managed to get the podcast in out there. Mm-hmm. The weather was bliss. It was, um, and yeah, just hanging out, hanging out with the guys. It was a bit of that. Um, yeah, it was kind of so eight of us lads out there um, in a villa together in in just really close to Puerto Penus, kind of yeah between Puerto Penus and Marbella, um, the actual town. We had a good time, didn't we? Yeah, we played. Um, Got some golf in there. Got quite a few rounds of golf in. So the 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 golfing abilities range quite a bit. Oh, they range between the eight boys. Um, I'd say Sutz is taking you know spot number one, and and then you got your yeah. We have a friend called Perry. uh, Jay had Perry ever um, picked up a golf club? I don't think a lot of those boys didn't make it past the tee box with their first shots, but they tried. The the effort was there, the enthusiasm, and it worked really well because we did a scramble. Mm. So I think day one we did a three by two scramble. Yeah. Uh, the second game was probably the best. We did two groups of four um, over just a par three, nine hole par three. Um, but every, both groups, everyone had to take at least two tee shots. So you had to do eight that were definitely within and then you could use one that was basically yeah. the best. So it became slightly tactical. It, it, it basically means that it stops, the, in theory, the best place player on the team basically just using their score. And for those who don't know about a scramble, everyone hits the shot but you pretty much choose, you then just go to the best shot in the group. So if we were playing in a team, we both hit our tee shots. The standard procedure would be mine would be the better tee shot. So we'd walk towards that and then we both play the shot from where mine yeah, was until yeah, you yeah. get it in the hole. But it means that actually, if you have good players, you can shoot ridiculously low scores. Mm. But even with our um, teams, we are pretty much going, probably playing to around 18 handicaps. So. I think so, I think so. So we went into... We're pretty even throughout and we went into the final hole, um, the ninth, equal on score. So we actually pulled ahead by two on the seventh and then the, we had an absolute shock on the eighth. The boys pulled back two shots. So we went into the uh, the ninth hole. And we're, um, we're on different teams, aren't we? Uh, yeah, sorry, Alex and I were on different teams. Went into the ninth hole, very even. Um, we had some shocking t-shirts. I think we both had some rough... Well, Jay, oh, you just... one, one of our players, we had to take a shot. That so there was it, a yes. lot of pressure on that. Yeah, so we had we could choose anyone from the four because we'd used everyone's two already, but... Alex's team had to take Jay's tee shot, which was okay. In the bunker. It was in, yeah, in the bunker. And we struggled with bunkers. We do, yeah, both teams did struggle with bunkers a little bit. And we were just slightly short of the green. We didn't even hit it, you know. We weren't on that green on that plane. It was a short par three. So good chip from you, though. Well, well, thing is, Kez, Kez, so Kai, our friend Kai, he took your bunker shot and it was brilliant, you know. Probably, how many feet from the pin would you say? Eight foot, maybe. You know, which is not yeah, bad at all for that for that bunker shot. And then the other three boys took their shots from our um, 
ball. Most of them went in the water. One just went over the green slightly, and I just had to step up for a little chip. And I was <laughs> a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. You've been giving out a lot of chat on the previous. Oh, uh, we've been dropping quite a bit of chat. I've been going back and forth, but yeah, so I had to take up and 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 put this chip, probably similar about eight foot from the pin. And then um, my teammate Jacob Flanagan came home and, and sank that. Oh, he sank, sank a it. big putt for the he win. Sank it, and I um, and I bottled it. Yeah, unfortunately. So, so the first round was was on your team, wasn't it? it? But we did also nip off to um, Atalaya Golf mm-hmm. Course, where mm-hmm. you and I got in a buggy and played sort of like a full full length course, which is good. Got to keep those new clubs in in working order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we enjoyed that. <laughs> we also I can't. I don't think we'd had the swimming races by the point last week, but we did a few handicap. Um, I am racist, which were also good fun. We did. There was like a, there was like a, in the complex we were staying in, there was a big pool and we did a few races where I would have to swim like a 100 meter IM race against four lads doing one length each of an IM with a, with a head start <laughs> as well. Um, it was good fun. You saw some people putting their necks on the line. Oh, big time. Struggling. I think, I think if you're not like used to swimming and you haven't got a cardiovascular base anyway from, you know, a general like keeping on top of cardio um, work generally in life, then swimming takes out of you. Especially if you're trying to do butterfly or backstroke. (laughs) Especially. The boys, the boys said um, I was, somehow I got the backstroke leg on the IM, which Mm. I was kind of fuming about. But um, some of the guys who didn't swim said, why are you trying to swing backstroke basically standing up? (laughs) Because my backstroke is so poor. Um, But I know that some of the, some of the people poolside, someone, one of them said to us, Oh, mate, is that is that Michael Phelps? <laughs> yeah, Michael Phelps on holiday in Marbella. <laughs> there, there was a moment where I was doing the backstroke and I could see you coming. I was like, right, I'm just going to get out of the way because <laughs> I fear for my life at this point. Uh, but no, it was good fun. It was good, good to good to mix it up and yeah, we're well, we're back now. And um, as you say, final episode of the season, so we wanted to sort of yeah go out on a high. And we, we haven't actually spoken about you and your early life as such. We did a little uh, episode on me, so mm-hmm. this one's going to be the making of, of Thomas Dean so I hope you're ready for um, a few hard-hitting questions Absolutely. Um, so probably best place to start is did you actually grow up in London or did you head out there early on into your life so I actually grew up in London so I was born in London and I grew up with um, my parents and my four siblings in kind of Kensal Rise area so northwest London yeah um, grew up there went to um, Mallory's school infant and junior school um, just the local one um, you know, very fond memories of, of, you know, those early years in London. And then we moved out to Maidenhead in 2008, um, just before the massive financial crash and all that craziness. Right. I've spoken to my dad a lot about just the stress he was under trying to secure that house because it yeah. was just insane. And he made some big miscalculations and, you know, it came down to like a few hours of getting sales and, and buys what, done. So had the crash kind of just come in at, at this point? I think, I think it was... I think we couldn't have been any later. Yeah. You know, otherwise it would have been... Were you not involved in the, these decisions at the well, time? Well, yeah, you know, you always see those jokes because we were, we were like on a holiday on our summer holidays at that point, you know, and we we're just like messing around, you know, in the garden and stuff. Like that. And like my parents are under the most stress they've ever been in their lives. <laughs> but you're completely oblivious, obviously, and at that point. And you're just throwing sand about. Yeah, and then we just like... I thought, I, I thought we were going on holiday to this nice house out in kind of the countryside. Right, the countryside as in Maidenhead. In Maidenhead, yeah, the countryside. Because <laughs> we're, we're quite close to the river where we are. Mm. So we were all leaving London. We're driving out of London. We were, we were going to Cornwall on holiday and then we were going to Maidenhead and then obviously moving in there. It's and kind of like a permanent holiday. Exactly, yeah. But I thought we were just going to Cornwall and then coming back to London. Um, you know, I didn't, and then maybe like, because we'd been out to Maidenhead a few times obviously to see properties and I thought we were just doing like another day trip and stuff like that. And 
So everyone's like, we're leaving. I can remember it so clearly. We're leaving London. And my parents are all emotional. My brother and sister, like, my mum's like, wave goodbye, wave goodbye to London or stuff. And I'm like, we're coming back in two weeks. We're actually back in no time. What's going on? Because you're so oblivious. And then we went to Maidenhead and, and my mum was like, well, we live it now. Like, this is it. And, and um, I've got really fond memories of waking up for that first morning. In, it was in summer of 2008. You know, first waking up here with the family, went for a walk and right by the river here in Maidenhead. And it's still only 20 minutes from London. But it feels like you're out in the countryside, um, you know. So it was it was a real change for us and, and us as a whole family. But um, you know, we moved. And we started at just a local um, uh, junior school, you know, yeah. primary school, uh, local primary school in Burnham called Lent Rise. Um, you know, joining year four. Um, older sister, so I'm the second one out of the five of us. Um, an older sister who's one year above, a younger sister who's two years below, a younger brother who's three years below, and then my youngest brother William who's five years below me. Um, we all started at this primary school, um, and yeah, that was. And what would you say is the biggest change to to living in London in terms of that that different vibe and and the, the, the style of living? Because I guess you were sort of old enough to remember living mm. in London, and I know it's quite a, must be quite a different feeling. Yeah, I, I was old enough to remember parts. Of it. I don't think I was old enough to quite appreciate like the differences the differences in culture. Um, yeah. One thing I do remember is we lived in a very multicultural area. Um, and I remember our school, I think, you know, if you were you were white, you're in the minority. Yeah. If English was your first language, you're in the minority. Yeah. Um, really, really diverse. I remember we had like an internationals day. So people are bringing like food from their kind of um, their family's home country, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of um, dressing the, in kind of the national style. And I remember it just being like mind blowing and Vibrant. really kind of opened your eyes as yeah. a kid. Um, I think there's a, there was a degree of that. Um, you know, in, in, in kind of Maidenhead and, and in that kind of area, but very much in, in my secondary school, I went to school in Marlow, it's, it's much more, you know, white is the minor, is a, is a majority. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're from other kind of ethnic backgrounds, it's, it's, it's much more in the minority and, and that's probably one of the biggest changes. And, you know, that's even from a young age, I remember that really, yeah. really It must clear. be such a good thing to start with, just in terms of living your life mm -hmm. in such a diverse community. You just can't get any better than it that, is really. and especially in london i think it's hard to avoid that um you know which is which is a great thing because you, it is you know a flavor of the real world um from day one which is which is really really good and and something that i don't think you quite appreciate until it's not really there anymore yeah would you ever see yourself going this is jumping ahead of time mm. but and we will go back but do you ever see yourself wanting to go back to london is that something that you you're keen for that's the aim when i finish swimming is to move to london um, you know, absolutely. I love I love Bath. Don't get me wrong, but I've got you know such a special place in my heart for London. I spend a lot of time there. You know, I'm I'm pretty much there every week at some point. Yeah. You know, um, my my girlfriend lives there at the moment. Um, a lot of my friends have moved there now. They finished university. Yeah. Um, my my dad still works in London, and he lives in London as well. Um, you know, I do a lot of work there anyway for sponsorship and, and meetings course. and things like that. So it's I love it. I love going into the city. I'm going in in about an hour once yeah, we wrap this off. up. Yeah, I'm <laughs> shooting training in ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so um, no, it's it, yeah, I, I can't wait to move there. Nice, and we will link it back to swimming, and I think it is quite a nice way to tie in the conversation. Um, but when did you always want to be a swimmer? And I guess who was the first person to influence you in terms of that that first group session and, and heading down to the pool? I don't think I could ever see swimming be my job, not at all. And, you know, it's only really 
changed my opinion my opinion that only has only really changed in literally in the last few years yeah um so we used to go to swimming lessons when we we're in london um in a swimming group called swimming nature uh, and i had a teacher called emma who we literally saw a few years ago and, and we're still key close family friend that we still keep in contact with oh, nice um but the fuck my mum's always swum just for fitness you know i used to go along with her swimming in the morning before school just because yeah. I loved getting in the water and I used to love being in the pool any opportunity I got we used to go down to Wilsdon Leisure Centre um, the local one and, and, and just swim there before school I loved it and it's funny now I'm doing uh, I currently work with um, One Life Leisure Group yeah um, as a kind of a um, uh, sponsorship kind of a promotional deal uh, mm-hmm. and I work quite closely with the that Leisure Centre group and they run Wilsdon Leisure Centre. Oh wow! So I went back a few months ago to go and do some work um, at Wilsdon Leisure Centre, and you know it looks a lot smaller now that I'm a lot bigger. <laughs> but um, it was crazy going back there. You know the pool that I used to that I literally started swimming at, which was really cool. But we we always said when we moved to Maidenhead we would start at a local swimming club. Uh, and I remember literally I remember my first session walking on poolside at the yeah. Magnet in Maidenhead. And there was a was, that, was that in the summer of when you moved in? No, it must have been. Uh, I want to say early two thousand nine, maybe January. Oh, so you did, it took a couple. Took of a years. few months to no, because oh, we moved oh. out summer two thousand and eight, oh, and then okay. it would have been. So okay. it took a few months just to think. I find our feet, and then yeah. But luckily, we live two minutes from the magnet, basically. Yeah. And I some I was speaking to my dad about this the other day. If we if that wasn't the case, let's say we didn't live two minutes from the pool, we lived fifteen or twenty, or you know, some people I know live forty five minutes from the pool. Yeah. Um, or like if my coach Paul Lloyd hadn't happened to join Maidenhead and <clears throat> we had such a good relationship I have no doubt that I wouldn't have continued swimming just because it yeah. makes everything so much harder yeah. it makes the mornings harder it puts more pressure on post school and, and it's not cheap to send it's not cheap either You know, yeah if we had attended a more expensive yeah. swimming club all these factors you know that, that, that line up it's like there's so many you know other forks in the road that you could have gone down yeah. you know let's say I'd had a talent for another sport I didn't unfortunately but if I did for example <laughs> there might be one out there <laughs> I'm sure there's one out there somewhere then um, or, or, or if we live close to the football well, ground and I got taken yeah. there by my mum because you know we drove past it one day whatever it could have been completely changes that yeah. course of history and, and, and the path you take and, and luckily we lived too much in the pool and I joined when I was nine years old and you know I loved it I think I initially got turned away actually after my first trial um, so we actually had to go back again and give it another crack um, and then my coach Paul Lloyd joined in 2011 or 2012 so when I was about 11 yeah. or 12 years old but he's actually told me a story of before he joined he came to the Magnet just to meet the coach uh, came to Mainhead to meet the other coaches mm-hmm. before he um, became where did coach. Paul come from? Slough Slough and Eaton okay. Dolphins so he was there we, there are a few clubs around the area aren't there? there are a few but he's always been a local a local swimming coach himself um, and he remembers watching us train one day as in the Magnet uh, the Mainhead Swimming Club and you remember he actually pointed out myself and my older sister Connie as, as he was like you know these these two kids actually look quite good they could yeah. they could do alright in the swimming world so it's interesting he only told me that a few years ago but it's crazy like looking back and thinking but he joined me when he was 11 12 years old um, and I, we got on really well and, and you know and my older sister was very much my training partner at that point yeah. uh, in my life and um, you know, I've always said without her work ethic and, and her ability to work hard I wouldn't have you know been the swimmer that I am today and I almost quit at one point when I was like 13 or 14 because okay. it was training was really hard. I used to you know, mess about a lot in the pool. I got kicked out all the time from training sessions. I just didn't really want to do the hard work. Yeah. And then, But I also wanted the, the, the results. And I remember Connie got a, a silver medal in the 100 butterfly at nationals when she was 15 and I was 14. Uh, and I like 
barely scraped by I think getting a final or anything like that and I was like that's what I want so I remember I remember so clearly sitting down with my coach Paul and being like I want what she has you know and that success and he just literally said you've got to train like her it's yeah. that simple you know it's literally that black and white and that was a massive turning point you know going from almost quitting to right all I've got to do is every single time I turn up to training is do what is asked of me to the best of my ability yeah. and I've just been able to carry that through for the you know the eight years that followed that up until today so um crazy and it, it just blows my mind how how like the the relationship i have with paul i saw him last night my, my coach at the time is is so important you know that swimming coach relationship when you're in those developmental years as a young man i don't think you quite appreciate how important how much of an impact someone like a a, a figure like that has in your life yeah um teaching discipline and, and and work ethic and all these important characteristics and that why that's why i say every kid should get involved in sports it teaches you so much about life and it, it's so there's so many important lessons that you can take away from it and it's like i say to people who are like oh but if i don't make it to nationals or the olympics or whatever and then it's a failure it's like well, well no because you've got to think about all these things that you've learned along the way and it was my mm-hmm. coach paul that instilled that mentality in me um and there are so many benefits you take away from the sport even if you don't reach a certain level so so that was really really important um for me and and um you know i still go back and visit Maidenhead I was there last night when I picked up William from training I had a chat nice. with Paul and it's just great to see the club doing so well and interestingly enough he said the result that the impact that my results at Commonwealth Games had has massively changed the club really? they're now able to rent out a whole new pool in Eton oh, wow. because the amount of new swimmers that have joined it's perfect literally it? since like end of July there's yeah. been a massive spike and, and you know that's the best that's thing I've because I guess one thing you mentioned about how it is amazing that you know these these things happen like the, as you say with the coaches where you're living but I guess you could kind of spin that and say actually one thing with swimming and especially the way in, in your in your lifetime also with people with other stuff that it's always been a constant as well so when you look back you can always I guess hold on to that or as part of your weeks and months ahead actually you, you know that the training's going to be there the people that you're, you're swimming with and, and your coaches and, and stuff like that touching on um in terms of the influence or did, did anyone inspire you I know you, you, you touched on your, your sister there but obviously going around say the, the 2012 boom I guess you would have been a few years into your training by that point is that anything the way you kind of take those external triggers with you or are you someone who kind of is just on the journey and I guess it's more intrinsic or is there a moment other than the moment at Nationals that you just mm. spoke about where you go okay that's pushed me on as well mm. I think um before I answer that question, firstly about it being consistent, that is, that is very, very true, and I think that's another reason why sport and sporting training environments are so good, and that's another reason, and I think that's why parents should stay separate when they take their kids to like a training session. Yeah, hand the kids over to the coaches, let them be with their pals and in, your mates, and your mates in swimming. Let the coaches do their job. You get too many parents trying to be way too involved. Yeah, you know my parents would drop me off at seven p.m. and right, we'll pick you up at nine p.m. at the the, the exit. Yeah, because um, you've, you've got to enjoy it as well. Yeah, you've got to enjoy, it. and you've got to let kids get away from that. I've you know we've had some tough tough years in our household, you know, with family problems and things like that. I remember I'd just be like, get me to the pool and just get me out yeah. of this environment for a few hours. You know, like, you know, let me switch off from it. Um, I, I mean, I, I even see it when if I nip down to the pool and say, like, I remember like I went down at the lunchtime or maybe it was evening session. And these kids are having the time of their lives. Mm, mm. Like, they're, they're mixing together. Yeah. They're having a joke in the changing rooms. And in wherever it is, it's going to be a safe environment. Yeah, the exactly. kids are working. It's, 
It's perfect, really. And they're working hard as well. Yeah. Um, so that was really important. No, in terms of role models, I think, you know, I was very much like every young swimmer, a Michael Phelps fan. And yeah. to this day, I still remain... The GOAT. Yeah, undeniably. And I think as I've progressed through the sport, my appreciation of what he's done has only heightened, mm-hmm. you know, especially at the Olympics. I did five races at the Olympics, you know, a heat, fi- heat semi in a final of a 203 and a heat in final of a 4 by 203 star relay. And my, by the end of it, I was spent, you know, the emotional energy, the physical requirements were just enormous, um, you know, to the point where my last race was just nowhere near as quick as I should have been if I was on top form. And that was only after five races. Yeah. And because of the momentous scale of the Olympic Games, he swam 17 races in nine days, you know, to win those eight gold medals, which is just mind boggling how someone's able it's to do that. He's the one for you, really. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And someone I'd love to meet one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope you can make it happen. Well, I might even be able to get him on the weekly freestyle. <laughs> Hope you can, Fingers crossed. We can get him in. I'm Fingers sure he'll crossed. come to Maidenhead. Um, I think, as well, one good thing to touch on would be sort of the education alongside, because I know that someone at your level and also just the way that you you've sort of woven it into your into your training obviously it's led to university in bath and therefore the national center um but talk to us about how you i guess balance your study with the swimming because what a lot of people might know is actually you're you're really switched on and you're actually a really hard worker outside of the pool like what what did you get in your gcse and a levels um, so GCSEs was nine A stars, two A's. That that's just that just doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> and A levels was two A stars, two A's. Because, uh, do, do you think? Uh, I guess people know that about. I you. don't think so. I don't think so because obviously I'm a swimmer. Yeah, that's my thing. But actually, like, I'm sure I've spent more hours revising and studying than yeah. you know I have in the pool. But um, no, it's a good question. It's something I do always get asked. Because um, because I, I think the angle I'm coming at it from is that as soon as you have a sniff of elite sport or, mm. or you th- or your ch- a child thinks they do or maybe a parent thinks that they do you go right let's park let's yeah. park this but yeah. you can you've shown that it's possible to do both and surely there's a benefit to, to both sides you know yeah. will help the education of the sport and then obviously the other I, way around I do agree and I think it's a mistake that too many young swimmers and young athletes make and whether it's parent-led or coach-led, it's a mistake that too many are making whereby they get to 15 years old. Yeah. The coach says, oh, you can be Olympic champion. Oh, you can you can make, you can can make go to the top. You can go. No, don't park your school. Don't worry yeah. about school. Do the minimum. Don't revise. Don't study. Don't, you know, miss lessons and, you know, do the bare minimum you can do to, for further education after you're 16. You know, these, yeah. I had people who would do swimmers that I knew were bright who did you know the lowest requirements you know the 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 topics with the minimal you know um hours and things like that and really you know not putting any eggs in their basket you know fully going all in for swimming at a young age you don't know how you're going to physically develop it's it's a roll of the dice you don't know how training's going to go you don't know if you get injured you don't know you can't say when you're 15 whether you're going to be olympic champion even even if you've won something on a global stage yeah it doesn't even it has no no correlation whatsoever and we're in a sport that's not you know, financially rewarding. It's not a job unless you're at the highest level. And too many kids make that mistake. And I think people really not need to start waking up to that fact because people get to 18 years old, they don't like swimming anymore. They don't enjoy the training. The results aren't coming. Yeah, they've put all their eggs in the basket of swimming, and their education doesn't got anything. They haven't reaped anything from that. So for me, it was like, okay, my mum was like, look, you you have to get good A level results. Yeah. Then you can decide whether you want to go to university, whether you want to go full time swimming, whether you want to do them alongside 
but you can always go back to university. I could go back to university now, mm -hmm. reapply. I've got my A-level results. You know, I can go down that route and completely pass. You've, you've got your year in the bag as well. I've got one year of university <laughs> in the bag. Can't remember any of it, but <laughs> I've got a year in the bag. So it was very much I have to get. So so, but but it also worked alongside where swimming. I you know I don't miss sessions. Yeah, that's part of my day. Just like you know doing my teeth every night before I go to bed or having lunch. You yeah. know, at one p.m. I will be in it the happens. pool yeah. six or seven in the morning. I will be in the pool seven till nine in the evening. That's just yeah. it's like a non-negotiable. Just like you have to be in school. You know, eight nine till three or whatever. It's like that's part that's of it. It's not. Day. It's not something that you that, that yeah. drops out. And I think that's that's the difference to say from my um, from people that I've come across. Those mm. people that the training is part of their week. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't slip. Yeah, it doesn't. Other than illness. Yeah. Or maybe tapering for yeah. for a competition. Like even yeah. at that age where you know you're not you're not fully employed to do it but it just doesn't slip yeah it, it just it's just part of the routine and that's you know i didn't choose i just it, i didn't even question it you know now i look back at it i'm like well i could have missed a few bit here and you know a few stuff here. i remember doing a levels i was doing my a levels i did maths further maths physics and chemistry and i had to get like two a stars and an a or yeah a, a star and two a's to get into bath to do mechanical engineering yeah i was also training for european juniors at the time yeah and then, in, in order to fund university, I had to win European Juniors. Yeah. So I had, to, I, I was, it was like May 2018, mm -hmm. and I was sat there and I was like, I have to get two A stars and an A in maths, further maths, physics, chemistry. I also have to win European Juniors in a few weeks' time. I've, I've never been more stressed in my life. Yeah. That's the toughest period of my life. You know, forget Olympics, forget doing university and swimming. That is the most stressed I've ever been, and I still say that to this day. It was it was really really hectic tough. couple of weeks, and I had so much riding on it. Yeah, and I remember I, f I won European Juniors, and I was like, I just need my level results to come through now. I need to get into the university. And I, they came through, and it was just the weight off my shoulders. Like, but once I've done that, it's like I know it's never going to be that stressful again. Yeah. Um, when you, yeah, when you've done that, you always I guess look back for me as well when you sit your GCSE and A levels. You know, they, those are some pretty stressful times, and actually, yeah. if you can do those and come through them, yeah, then you know, you'll never have that situation again where you, you have yeah. to win something and, and also know. have to sit some pretty tough exams. Absolutely, and, and and it almost prepared me for when you do these major big competitions. Like when I went to World Champs the other week and I did twelve races back to back, you you have to strip all emotion away from it, and you have to go, you know, robot. You have to live robotically, whereby you wake up. You execute the race, you recover, you you go through the race warm up, you go through the processes, just like when it's A levels, you, you you wake up, you revise, you execute the exam, you go home, you strike it off the list, you go on to the next one, while also okay, well I've got to go to training at this time, I've got to be in the gym here. There is no emotion, there's no tiredness, it's robotic, and 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 that's the you know what I was able to take away from that. But yeah, a really tough tough period of my life. Yeah, and I think that's probably quite a nice place to leave the discussion about your life because we can come back to the university mm -hmm. side of things and Bath and, and in a later date. But I yeah. think we've touched quite nicely there on, on a few things. That was kind of the, the developmental, the age group years. Yeah. And then pre, you know, 18 was when I made that transition into the senior career. Um, so I think that's definitely something we could touch on uh, later episode oh, for and, sure. and, and park it. For sure. And I know you've got a lot of, sort of teammates and friends who have obviously down at Bath as well. So maybe we can link it there. Um, one thing, just jumping into the, the freestyle section, and it links quite nicely with what we were discussing there. We had Nadine messaging um, about sort of dealing with adversity, um, and obviously you've you've mentioned there actually you have 
you know, there's no point shying away from the fact that you are people, everyone has tough times, whether that's sort of in a professional setting or outside of that. Um, but Nadine has basically said to herself, she's a, she's a youngish person living with arthritis and often faces frustration sort of in swimming and, and away from that. Is there, I guess the question would be is, how do we both sort of tackle adversity? Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll jump in here. I think one way um, in, yeah, in terms of general life, I think it's so important that when things go well, you're never getting too high. And then also, see on the, on the spin when you have a bad day or mm. you know you're struggling with something, you just try not to get too low. So in terms of keeping stable, um, both uh, yeah, both in and in and away from the pool, I think would be a, a really big one for me there. No, I, I think that's that's very similar to what I was going to say. There's that saying, "This too shall pass." You know, when you're at your highest, that's brilliant. You know, you've just won this. You're training well. This too shall pass. You know. Yeah. And then when you're at your lowest, I mean, I remember. I really struggle with when I swim badly I really take it to heart you know I get very very worked up about it but you've got to remember that this too shall pass and, yeah. and you've really really got to have that as a rigid mindset um, which is easier said than done but it's something that you've really really got to stick to and, and you know um, especially in a sport like swimming which can be so brutal and you know the utmost respect to, to Nadine for um, you know sticking with it d- despite you know having some tough times and, and the things she's going through it, it is tough but you have to remember that this too shall pass. Yeah, I think as well, another one is, is turning up, mm. whether that's, you know, almost whether that's turning up each day, being your, sort of in, in yourself, or whether it's more, I guess, sport related. Sometimes it's just doing things a few times and sometimes you're gonna need the rub of the green. So I, I almost say that the hardest thing to do, I guess in a race situation or, or anything, is just make sure you're there. You know, put yourself out there. If it doesn't go your way, it doesn't. But you know, next time, line. if you don't turn up, what's going to happen so you've got I think you've got to be turning up for these things um, and yeah I think I think we can park season one here um, wow we've had we've had ten episodes goodness me um, it's, it's, it's been emotional we know we've had some we've had some good fun starting out haven't we yeah we've had some good fun we've had a few appearances in the pods from other people we've really found our feet so thank you to everyone for sticking through it you know the I know the audio wasn't brilliant at the start um, you know, we've getting the jingle in now with, with you know, Alex is absolutely smashing the editing out and um uh, you know, this this is all very much well, this is very much Alex's creation. Um the production, the editing, the jingle, um, you know, all all, you know, credit to credit to yourself, Alex. So it's been it's been absolutely brilliant. And we know we've got really big ideas for the seasons to come. We're getting in touch with some big names that are really gonna help us yeah. uh, in the podcasting world. Um, we're, we're really starting to expand where we're headed with it. Guests obviously being a big one for us. Um, but, you know, this first season we've been a bit up and down, but I think we've really found our niche. Um, and we've, yeah. we've been everywhere in this first season. We have slightly. Be- between the two of us, do you think we'd... Hopefully we'll get to a similar amount of places, but you, you've been in Loughborough, Birmingham, Rome, been out to Marbella. Italy. Yeah, you've been out there. I've been out in Italy. So we've, we've been going all right. Maidenhead. We're always in Maidenhead as a state. And it's nice that we've been able to do a few episodes few together as well. And we're going to try and keep doing more of them yeah. Um, yeah, in, in the future. But it's just it's kind of pre- doing what we preach ourselves. You know, we've got to keep turning Fair up, enough. doing the doing the simple stuff right. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just keep, keep turning up for that Wednesday. Absolutely. But no, thank you for the questions, the suggestions, the follows, the Instagram interactions, emails... 
um, checking us out on, on Spotify. You know, we hit that big thousand. And we are we are getting the and we're getting speed tickets done. We've, we've got them here, actually. The speed tickets are over there. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, um, we will get them out. And as we said last week, do enter because there's a good chance you'll win. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you very much for that. It was nice to dive into the life of Thomas Dean and um, enjoy your afternoon in London. Thank you very much. See you next season. Thank <laughs> you.